Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Hypno Dojo. I'm Linda Campbell, and it is March 24th, 2017. I'm a registered clinical counseling hypnotherapist. I run the Horizon Center School of Hypnotherapy, and I'm the president of the Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators. And HypnoBits is a weekly radio show geared towards students and practitioners of hypnotherapy, giving you tips and hints to make your hypnotherapy practice more successful. And today we're going to be talking about doing smoking, smoking cessation sessions. Whew, that's a mouthful. So I'm going to just launch right into it. We're going to talk about the consultation. We're going to talk about things to ask and things to listen for. And I'm going to be giving you little bits of hypnotic patter along the way. And we're also going to talk about personalizing the sessions for your client's unique circumstances. And I'll give you several case studies to uh, illustrate that. So smoking cessation, this is one of the most common things people are using hypnotherapy for. They know hypnosis for smoking and weight loss. So chances are you're going to get a fair number of clients for this particular goal. So some of the things that you want to ask during the consultation, obviously one of the things right off the bat that I'm asking is how much are they currently smoking? And once I get a number, I'm also going to find out if that is a typical amount for them. Because it may be that the person's been trying to quit on their own and they give you a number of like five, but really that's just been over the last couple days while they've been trying to quit themselves. So I want to find out what the typical amount is that they're smoking. Now, because most packages of cigarettes have between 20 and 25 cigarettes in them, that's a typical answer that you'll get from a client, 20 to 25 cigarettes a day. If they smoke a whole lot more or a whole lot less, that's usually an indicator that there's something else going on that you need to listen for. So actually during the consultation, a lot of what I'm doing is listening for any kind of red flags, anything sort of unusual, out of the ordinary, so that I can hone in a little more closely on what's going on in that particular area. So for example, uh, if somebody's smoking two or three cigarettes a day or a week instead of the usual 20 a day, I want to find out what is the difference between a two-cigarette day and a no-cigarette day. Why are they having those particular cigarettes? Is there some situation? Is it around a certain person? Is it in a certain environment? Oftentimes what I'll hear is it's on the weekends when I go out for drinks, that sort of thing. So then we know we really have to go after the social aspect of smoking, break up the connection between cigarettes and alcohol, uh, be able to help the person, even if they're under the influence of alcohol, to not feel the craving or the uh, lower resistance to smoking. So I'm looking for anything unusual. If it's about 20, then we're, that's pretty normal. Um, but under 20, ask some questions. Over 20, in the back of my mind, I have a little ding, ding, ding. That happens. <laughs> if somebody tells me they smoke two or three packs a day, when you think of that, like 60 cigarettes a day, the person's awake for maybe 14 hours, you start doing the math, they're pretty much smoking all day long. So I want to find out a little bit more about what's going on in that person's life. 
smoking could be a way to escape something. Maybe they have some kind of unconscious death wish. Uh, maybe it's self-punishment of some type. And I'm going to get into some case studies later to, again, illustrate some of what I'm talking about here. So that's one of the questions. How much do they smoke? And is that amount typical for them? And if it's away you know, from the usual 20, dig a little bit more to find out what situations they tend to smoke more in, what, day, what makes a day easier. I want to find out at what age they have their first cigarette, and I'll usually get the person to tell me the story of their first cigarette or what they remember about when they first started smoking. Now, again, the typical age range is somewhere between 11 and 15, so if somebody varies greatly from that typical range, again, there could be something going on. If a client tells you they started smoking at seven years old, I want to find out about their upbringing. I want to find out about the culture of their home. I want to find out about what was going on in their lives at that time because that's kind of atypical. On the same hand, if somebody tells me that they started smoking at 27, 30 years old, there's something funny going on there, too. I want to find out what was going on at that period of their life. How did they make it all the way through their formative years, through the years where we're most impacted by our peers, all the way up into their 20s without smoking, and then they started? So what was going on in their lives at that time? And I'm going to ask that question anyway, what was going on in their lives at the time that their smoking began. That's a pretty standard question I'm asking with all of my clients on all of their goals. So I get them to describe their first cigarette, and I'm listening for things like, did they like it or not? <laughs> if they liked it, that may be something that uh, is a bit of a red flag as well. It may point to, is there some uh, self-harming pattern that this person tends, to, t- tends towards? Most people don't like it. Most people get dizzy or they cough or they feel sick or they feel lightheaded. They're uncomfortable. They have to learn to be good smokers. So if somebody likes it right from the beginning, I want to ask some questions, again, about any other addictive patterns. I want to ask about any other sort of self-harming behaviors, because this could just be one of several things that this person is doing to harm themselves. Uh, So again, I'm getting them to describe their first cigarette, and I'm listening for what were some of the things that prompted them to smoke. Um, Did they do it by themselves, or did they do it with their peers? Most people, it's for acceptance. It's, you know, everybody was doing it. I wanted to fit in. It seemed like the cool thing to do. Uh, So somebody who's smoking by themselves, again, I want to find out what was going on at the time. What, What was that situation all about? Because that's less typical. And if somebody was smoking because of their peers, then that might be something I'm going to address later in the session. And I'll I'll get into that a little bit later. I want to find out, uh, again, whatever reasons they think they had in the beginning, because I'm going to be addressing those. The thing to remember is the subconscious doesn't understand passage of time. So I remember having a grade four teacher, I'm aging myself here, a grade four teacher who smoked in the classroom, and nobody thought anything of it. We just kind of like waved the cloud of smoke away when we talked to him, and we referred to how his breath always smelled like cigarettes and coffee. But other than that, it wasn't a weird thing. So back in the day, if your clients are, you know, I'm 48, so if your clients are, you know, in their 40s or older, it was a, it was a culture of smoking, Everybody smoked, or at least it wasn't unusual. People smoked on airplanes. People smoked in restaurants. People smoked, you know, out in the street, and it was just a thing. So it wasn't so 
bizarre as it is today. Not that it's bizarre today, but it's a different culture around smoking today. So you need to take into consideration the culture that the person came from, what the times were. When you look at the history of smoking or how smoking was promoted, uh, I remember seeing an ad where a mother and a baby are featured in this ad, and the baby is saying to the mom in this little word bubble, uh, Mom, you need to relax. Have a cigarette. <laughs> so babies were encouraging their, their mothers to smoke. It was it was seen as, uh, you know, again, part of the culture. I remember watching the show Mad Men recently, which was set in the 50s and 60s, and smokes and drinks. The men are all sitting around smoking in their offices. That was just a normal thing. And so sometimes what I'm pointing out to the subconscious, because once we pick if nothing happens to change that belief, it just stays sort of wedged in the subconscious. So if the person has a belief from way back then that smoking is just a normal thing to do, everybody smokes, it's cool to smoke, even though now it's quite a different culture of smoking, it's stigmatized, a lot of people are trying to quit smoking, we understand the health risks, we didn't know them back then, the subconscious needs updating. Sometimes it seems like what I'm saying to my client is really obvious. I'm sometimes listing off, you know, the challenges with smoking today and how it's seen today to update that old way of looking at it. But again, a person can understand something intellectually. The logical mind only represents 5 to 10% of the mind power. So if the subconscious still has a belief from way back then that it's cool to smoke, we need to update that. So I want to find out the reasons that they started. I'm looking at their age. I'm finding out what the culture around smoking was like, where they came from, or, you know, when they first started. Was this just a normal, typical thing that people were doing? Or if they're younger, did they start at a time when not as many people were smoking? Because that may point to something that I need to address as well. I always want to find out, oh, I, I initially said there to ask when they first had their first cigarette, when they had their first cigarette. But you also want to find out when did they become a real smoker? Because some people will have their first cigarette at, you know, 11 or 12, but they don't really pick up the habit until 15 or 16. So you also want to find out if there was a gap between when they had their first cigarette and when they became a, you know, diehard smoker. And again, find out what was going on in their lives at the time that they picked it up for good, because there could be something that prompted them to make that choice back then. And I'm always going to ask my client what was going on in their lives at the time, because the smoking could have been a response to something. Uh, For example, I had a client whose family decided to move when she was in grade six or seven, and that's when she started smoking. And the smoking was really just a rebellion against the family's decision. She did it openly, (laughs) and her parents didn't like the smoking. So it was kind of a big F you to the family for making this decision that she had to move. So it could be a way to rebel against something that's going on. It could also be a way to connect with peers. So again, I had another client who had moved. His family had been in the military, and so they moved around a lot. And he picked up smoking because he was always the new kid, and it was a way to connect with other people. He could go out into the smoke pit at any school and bum a cigarette off of somebody and have an instant friend. And so, again, there's the usual things like curiosity and wanting to be more mature. But you also want to look at what was going on at the time the person started smoking, in case there's clues for things that you could address in hypnosis. Uh, You ask the client, why did they think they started? (laughs) So again, you're going to hear some of the usual things, like all my friends were doing it, it seemed cool to smoke, I wanted to look or feel more mature. 
but they may also offer some different ideas. Uh, I had a client who had a lot of social anxiety, and he started smoking again as a way of connecting with people. So it started at a time when he was going through puberty and he felt really self-conscious, and so he picked up a smoking habit because it was a way, again, of having a connection to people and easing his social anxiety. So what was going on in their lives at the time? Why do they think that they started? Listen for any of their theories. And then you're going to use all of this to work some what I call hypnotic argument. So how I work in hypnosis, I think, might be a little different than uh, you know, how some people work, or at least when I've trained people who have been trained somewhere else, I'm not hearing a lot of this. So I do what I think of as hypnotic argument. In other words, I, I'm not just delivering suggestions. You have great willpower and self-control. You're a non-smoker for a couple of reasons. First off, if the client is listening, which they typically do in hypnosis unless they tend to be a natural somnambulist, they're going to be sitting there thinking, no, I don't, I am a smoker, and they're canceling your suggestion. So just giving them a suggestion to, to talk away, to suggest away their symptom of smoking, it doesn't actually get rid of the smoking. Also, there could be a very good reason, at least on a subconscious level, why that person is smoking. For example, if the person is smoking to mitigate social anxiety, to bond with other people, and you're telling them you're a non-smoker, you're taking away a coping mechanism without addressing the reason the person needed the coping mechanism in the first place. So in the case of somebody who's smoking to manage social anxiety, what I really want to do is figure out where did the social anxiety come from? Was there some situation where this person was hurt or harmed or embarrassed or humiliated uh, by people and now the subconscious is saying, ooh, people are dangerous, so I've got social anxiety, I'm, I'm going to feel unsafe around people and they've just started smoking as a way of trying to cope. If you take away somebody's coping mechanism <laughs> without addressing the reason why they needed it in the first place, they're probably just going to start up smoking again, or they'll find some other coping mechanism, and it's not necessarily going to be something healthy. And so I'm listening for their theories, I'm listening for what was going on in their life, and I'm creating a hypnotic argument to suggest a different option. So for example... If, a, if the client started smoking because when she was in grade six or seven, the family decided to move, and this was a way of rebelling against her parents, I need to catch the subconscious up to the fact that she's no longer in this situation, she doesn't need to smoke to give an F you to the parents, that now as an adult she's the person who can make the decisions in her life, nobody else can uproot her and make choices for her. Now as a grown-up she gets to decide where to put roots down and if or when or how she wants to move. So I'm really working on the, the notion that she has a lot more power and control in her life because the smoking was a way of dealing with feeling powerless. So if I just take away the smoking without addressing the underlying cause, I think the person's going to go back to smoking. Now, I hesitate when I say that because I don't even really think you can take it away as long as there's an underlying cause. The subconscious is more powerful than you, the hypnotist, are. So if the subconscious is thinking, I need smoking as a way to fit in, or I need smoking because I feel powerless and this is my way of asserting myself, and you're trying to take it away, it's going to fight back. It's not going to let you take the smoking because the smoking has a purpose. So you really need to sort out what is the purpose of this. 
And then again, create some hypnotic argument. You need to come up with things you can say that the person cannot argue with. So if I tell an adult, now you're the decision maker in, the wor- in your world, now nobody can uproot you and move you around without you being you know, a factor in that, without you choosing that, then if the client is in the chair going, yeah, that's true, that's true, Then when I move on to the part about, so now you don't need cigarettes as a way to rebel against your parents because nobody's going to uproot you, now she's going to agree with me. So I can't just start out with, you're a non-smoker. I'm not even addressing the actual issue, which is having a sense of power in the world. I need to address that first, and then I can bookend it by talking about giving up smoking. And so other things that I'm listening for during the consultation, I want to find out if the parents smoked uh, because there could be modeling from the parents. Again, the parents are from an even older generation. So even though a parent may say, don't do what I do, parents who were smoking at a time when smoking was just normal may not have realized it was unhealthy and may not have given that message to their kids. So we watch our parents to see how to be in the world. We're learning from them. They're our teachers. So if the parents around you are smoking, if the adults are smoking, you might just assume on an unconscious level that that's normal, that that's what you do when you're a grown-up or, you know, that's acceptable. And so, again, I want to find out, did the parents smoke? Because I may need to address that aspect of modeling. What I'm going to say about that is just because somebody models a behavior for you doesn't necessarily mean that it's a useful or healthy behavior. Your parents had even less information about smoking than you do now. So they didn't know what they were modeling was unhealthy or that it was harmful. So now that you have more information, you can make a different choice. So again, I'm not just going to say, you're a (laughs) non-smoker. That doesn't even, I don't, I hate that, that just dealing with the symptoms thing. It just makes my skin crawl. I'm looking for why is this person doing what they're doing? What can I say to get them to think differently that they're going to agree with? And then follow it up with, you're a non-smoker. So did the parent smoke? Uh, Was there some modeling going on? You can address that. I also want to find out what the parents thought about uh, the client smoking when they found out they were smoking. So was this always hidden from your parents or at some point did your parents find out? And if so, what did they say? What did they do? I've heard everything from my dad made me eat a cigarette to it was a rite of passage. When my parents found out I was smoking, they decided I was one of the adults, and now I could sit around after dinner with them and smoke and drink coffee and be one of the grown-ups. So obviously you're going to say something different to the client whose parent made them eat a cigarette than you're going to to the person who, you know, it was a positive association set up with smoking because they got to be one of the adults now. So the person who ate the cigarette, I want to find out about the relationship with dad, Right. There's sometimes dynamics that play out between your clients and other people in their lives. So, for example, if they have a negative relationship with somebody, a conflicted relationship, sometimes the person will rebel against that person by holding on to a behavior because the other person didn't like it. So in this scenario, dad made me eat a cigarette. (laughs) I don't like dad. He's a bastard. Why would he do that? We've always had a bad relationship. So I'm going to smoke just to spite him. And this is despite the fact that this is 20 years later, maybe dad's passed on, your client is now an adult. Again, the subconscious doesn't understand passage of time. So if a person is smoking to spite the parent that they have a conflict with, they might still be doing that 
even though the conflict's been resolved, even though time has passed, even though it's a million years later. So I'm going to address that rebelliousness. So what I say about that, and I do this, I, one of the questions I'll ask as well is, has that person, my client, ever had somebody in their life who disapproved of their smoking, or do they have anyone in their life now that disapproves of their smoking? And if they do, if they've had somebody who's been on their back about their smoking, then oftentimes the person is smoking just so that person doesn't get to have any power over them. If they give up smoking because somebody else in their life told them they don't like it, now they're losing a little bit of power to that person. Sometimes the client just doesn't want the other person to win. So the pattern that I do around that is basically that they're not going to give up smoking because dad doesn't approve of it. But they're also not going to hang on to smoking because dad doesn't approve of it. Because to hang on to it, if they want to give it up themselves, means that they're still letting dad be in charge of their behaviors. Because whether they're giving it up or hanging on to it because of dad, dad is still exerting an influence. So we're going to take other people out of the equation entirely. They're going to give up smoking, not because of dad, but because they want to give it up for themselves. So that's the kind of rebellion pattern that I do. So I was talking about the dynamic with a parent. If there was a conflicted relationship with the parent, sometimes the client will be smoking just to F you, the parent. Um, But if there's a positive relationship with the parent, sometimes the client might be smoking to feel connected to or to be similar to a parent that they had a positive association with. I actually saw this with one of my clients and her grandmother Her grandmother had been a smoker, and my client remembers sitting on her lap as a kid, and grandma would make smoke rings, and the kid would put her fingers in them, and it was this positive, chummy moment with grandma. And then grandma passed away, and my client started smoking herself. And this was a way of connecting with grandma, feeling close to grandma by modeling one of her behaviors, mimicking one of her behaviors. So again, I want to find out, did the parent smoke Did the parents approve of my client smoking? What did they do when they found out? And what kind of dynamic was there with the parent when they were growing up? Is there anything there that gives a clue as to what you could address in hypnosis? I want to find out about their friends now. Are they smokers or non-smokers generally? If they're smokers, I want to find out from my client how they're going to handle being around their friends if their friends are smokers. So, for example, if they have social occasions where they smoke and drink together or they sit and smoke, how is my client going to handle one of those situations? What will they do instead? Are they still going to go? Do they need to be shored up against not having, you know, cravings or not having an impulse? Will their friends support them? So we're going to have a talk about that outside of hypnosis, and then I can use uh, what we came up with as some solutions for handling those situations when they're in hypnosis. So I might have them play through in their minds some of those scenarios and how they would address them, running it through in their minds the way way they would like it to be. I also want to find out about partners. Uh, If they have a partner in their life who smokes or doesn't smoke, I I want to know about that dynamic as well. So if the partner smokes, I want to know what my client's partner is going to feel about my client giving up smoking. So I had a client who she would come home from work, her and her spouse would pour a bottle of wine or a glass of wine, and then they'd go out on the patio and smoke and drink while the kids watch TV. And this was their evening routine. And if she wasn't going to be smoking, what was going to happen to the evening routine? Would she still go out there with him? Would they change the routine? 
what is actually what was actually going on as we were working together is he was encouraging her to smoke. She would come home and he'd kind of you know poke her a little bit. Oh, come on, come on, this is our time. And she had a really hard time saying no to him. She felt as though she was disappointing him. So we actually had to work on her being able to assert herself, her being able to communicate her needs to him, to be firm, to not let herself be kind of bullied gently into smoking by him. And so again, we're looking for. You know, if they're, if they're in a relationship, if they're living with somebody, how is that person going to respond to them giving up smoking? If the partner is a smoker and wants to give it up themselves, maybe you suggest doing a cut rate price for the two of them so that you can work with both of them. Uh, if the partner doesn't smoke, again, I'm listening for how do they feel about your smoking? I'm listening for any pushback that there might be against the other person. So finding out about their relationships. I want to know why they've continued to smoke. Typically, people are going to tell me things like stress or habit or boredom or a transition between one activity and another. And so, again, all of those things I need to address. If it's stress, I need to prompt the client to find other ways to manage stress. Or maybe I need to do some sessions on the specific stressors in their life. If it's boredom, I'm going to prompt the subconscious to come up with other things to do <laughs> to deal with boredom. If it's a transition between one um, event and another, I'm going to prompt the subconscious, you see the theme here, to come up with other solutions. I also want to find out what they like about smoking and what they don't like about smoking because I can, when it comes to the things they don't like, I can use that as incentive to give up smoking. Uh, people will tell me they don't like the cost, they don't like the smell, they don't like having to cover it up all the time, they don't like the stigma. And I also want to find out what they like about it because, again, this may give me a clue to something I need to address. If they like the social aspect, if they like the time away from their family while I'm having a cigarette, it's my me time, I need to jump in there and help them find other solutions. And, again, we want to listen for their unique circumstances. I never do cut-and-paste sessions where, you know, you just stick the person's name into the script and use the same script for every client. I'm listening for what is unique about this person. So, for example, I had a client who was a bigger kid when she was in school, and so she was ostracized until she figured out that she could buy cigarettes. <laughs> and then she started selling them to the kids at school, so smoking for her was a way to be popular. Now, fast forward 25, 30 years, and now smoking is stigmatized, but she still has a subconscious belief that smoking makes her popular. So I've got to address that. <laughs> and it was kind of fun. I said, well, you wouldn't sell cigarettes to kids now, would you? And that was pretty much done. Um, similar situation. I had a client who, uh, during one of the wars, Second World War, I guess, was living in a port town uh, where the sailors would come to town and they would buy boxes of cigarettes and present them to the women. And this was their way of kind of wooing the women. And so it was considered that the woman with the heaviest cigarette addiction, <laughs> or the heaviest habit, was actually the most attractive woman. And here she was, like in her 80s or something, and still had this belief that cigarette smoking makes you sexy, that if you smoke a lot, you're desirable. So again, we have to go after that particular belief and change it. Um, I had a client who came to see me for smoking, and he started smoking when he was 27. So again, a little late in life. When I asked him why he started smoking, he told me he got his first real job. Everybody there smoked. It was a way of managing stress and a way of fitting in. So I was addressing those angles, and nothing was changing. 
If nothing changes, I'm doing some more direct work, some parts therapy, for example. Talk to the part of yourself that understands everything there is to know about your smoking. Find out from that part why you're doing it. So with him, he went and talked to the part, and what he remembered, (laughs) and he hadn't forgotten this. He wasn't purposely withholding it from me. He just didn't realize it had anything to do with his smoking. What had actually happened when he was 27 is he had shot a friend of his while they were hunting, and the guy never died, but at the time he spent six weeks or so in intensive care, and my client felt so guilty that he was actually attempting to kill himself by smoking. So again, the subconscious doesn't understand passage of time. This was 30 or so years prior. The guy was still in his life, still his best buddy. There was no bad blood between them. But he was still smoking as a way of killing himself. So I'm addressing, you know, you don't need to smoke to fit in. People like you for you. You can find other ways to manage stress. And the subconscious is like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I I don't deserve to be alive. So really the work we had to do was around his guilt, around deserving to be alive. Uh, So updating the subconscious that that event that took place was an accident, that he wasn't guilty for it, but the buddy was still his friend and once we were able to relieve his guilt around that accident, not only did he give up lost weight and change jobs as well, because those were other things he'd been you know, holding back on because he didn't think he was deserving. And so there's a lot of reasons why people might start and a lot of situations that are unique to them. So again, I really uh, discourage a cookie-cutter approach. I really believe in talking to your client and finding out about their particular situation. I feel like there's just so much more to say about this topic. Maybe I'll do a smoking, smoking cessation show in another couple of weeks or so and and follow up with this. Thank you for tuning in. Come back again next time. Uh, Next week, Friday, 2.30 to 3, we will have another topic. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.